Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. And you were broken up with Rob for three <laughs> weeks and three days before I slept with him. And you were always terrible together. <laughs> Should I take that as a threat? Like, is that... Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Rob but let's, but let's be real. If one of us was Maddie and one of us was Cassie, I would be the Cassie and you would be chasing me down and bashing my head into a brick wall, I think. That's true. And I appreciate that characterization, honestly, after mm-hmm. this season. So I'll happily be a Maddie uh, in this scenario. Um, but yeah, Euphoria. After saying I wouldn't watch it, I did it for you. So you're welcome. Aww, Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Um, Happy St. Pat. <laughs> Yeah. Black History Month? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, no, not that. Never that. Uh, not for Sam Levinson. Yeah, they. I was gonna say did they? They wrote off the one black character. Yeah. Is there? <sighs> oh, I guess uh, no. Well, I mean, Zendaya, obviously. Yeah, there's Zendaya, and uh, you know, there's a few people of couple color peppered in there. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it was a slow week. There's nothing else coming out, so. I bit the bullet and my curiosity got the best of me. I wanted to watch Zendaya yell at people um, and see why a bathtub it was seen was so worthy of memeing. But I did it. I I watched. OK, I watched most of Euphoria. I had to binge it all today. So I ended up skipping one episode and watching the other one on fast forward. So basically the same treatment you gave Yellow Jackets. Okay, perfect. <laughs> okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. So, we really gave you our equal footing. Um, so yeah, I watched season two of Euphoria, which is what we're here to discuss as the finale. Uh, yes. was Sunday, talked about on Twitter, a moment. Um, so I'm curious, how, how was this journey for you? I mean, we've talked about Euphoria before. Oh yes. I had not. I had not I did not watch the first season when it came out because I heard like, oh, it's just all of these like high school kids like having sex, doing drugs, whatever, blah, not good. So I really hadn't it it was a show that I did not necessarily want to watch, that I had no desire to watch. Mm-hmm. Um and it just seemed sort of like dour in my mind. And then I had to watch it for work because people on BuzzFeed love euphoria and because it comes out week to week that's like eight weeks of content that we could have so my editor was like hey like you need to watch this so i binged the first season and found that i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i was going to it's it's very campy in a lot of ways (laughs) which we know is is my true gauge on how much i like a show and i think especially the first season does do a really good job of sort of touching on demographics of people who don't usually get the spotlight on such a big show Hmm. um, between like uh, trans people and, you know, like um, a lesbian relationship. And I don't know, it just seemed like it was touching some like more on the fringe groups of people. Mm. A lot of that sort of evaporated in the second <laughs> season for whatever reason. And we got plot lines that were much, uh, I don't even know. The sec- the first season 
feels like an actual season of a television show. Like every character has a, a story arc. You follow it along. Also, each episode starts with a sort of like extended flashback sequence about one of the main characters, like discussing their upbringing and sort of like who they are. So you really get a good sense of all the characters. And then each character has a narrative arc. In the second season, I think Sam Levinson, the creator, got like way more experimental mm. and just kind of like did whatever he felt like. He's like, oh, I want to do a, a two episodes that are a play. I want to do an episode that's just on Rue. I want to like anything he wanted he just threw on the page which led to some characters getting a lot more screen time than others and a lot of plot lines that sort of like went nowhere or didn't wrap up um so i loved watching the second season i feel like there were so many good moments and interesting things that were going on but I feel like as a season of television, it was not necessarily great. And there were lots of things where I'm like, I don't love this. But what was your sort of take on it coming to it fresh? Yeah, I, I don't, (laughs) I don't have an issue necessarily with Euphoria. It's just not for me. And I think watching it helped me like solidify why, I don't like gravitate towards it and it's not because I think I'm like superior or something like I really don't I don't judge people for liking it but I do feel like my general takeaway was that I do not like Sam Levinson (laughs) yes I don't I feel like that was interesting that he I think he asked for it right because he's a sole writer on this he directs most of the episodes alone and he's just this white bro and I I really like, you know, well, he's my... also big nepotism because yes, he's the son yes. of Barry Levinson, <laughs> who's this huge like producer. Yes. So he he got to make an HBO show. Congrats to him. But I really just resent, I guess. And maybe this is my toxic trait, but white straight dudes who think that they can voice anyone and everyone's issues and like to have such a woman-centric story and a person of color story and an LGBT story. It just felt like, why are you thinking you're the best voice for this? And so every time I had to watch like Cassie go on some sort of weird anti-feminist rant or like speech, I was just like, I got the ick way more than I wanted. And I don't think it was necessarily because the performance or the quality or whatever. It's more just this looming cloud of knowledge that one dude sat here and wrote all of this for us to partake in. Well, especially I think like the first season, because it's not out yet or because, you know, when you're writing it, it's not out. It was required to fit a model of television that made more sense. Yeah. And so he is writing about, you know, he's writing the perspective of all these characters. So, like, would we love to have other people in the writing room? Like, sure. But also, it's a big ensemble show, so it, like, sort of makes sense, and it does feel more like a TV show. I think because the first season did so well, he really (laughs) got a big head and felt like, okay, well, now I'm, like, I'm a genius. I can do whatever I want. So in the second season, he's definitely, like, trying it some more things that I don't think really worked. Also, in between, he wrote Malcolm and Marie, (laughs) The movie that I hated where he's really does a lot about talking about racism, but it's like, but you're not black. Like, yes, the characters and Zendaya like did have input in the script, I guess. But at the same time, 
yeah, it's just a little cringy. And it'd be one thing if he's the showrunner, but the fact that he's the sole writer on all mm-hmm. of these episodes, it's like, let's get some other people in there to try to work this out. And I think especially in the second season, you saw where the lack of writing room came mm-hmm. in because there was nobody there to sort of put him in check and be like, okay, we need a storyline for you know, jewels or, right. okay, we brought this up in episode two and now we got to resolve it because otherwise it's just hanging out there in the breeze. There yeah. was so much stuff that was just like appeared for no reason or felt strictly artistic and plot lines that were just never dealt with or never wrapped up. They were adding in new things as they were going. Like it just, it felt messy and it felt like one person who didn't have another person to be like, actually, no, that's a bad idea. Yeah, except just poor actors who have to be like, well, maybe I can wear a shirt during this. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Do you want to talk about all of that? <laughs> well, we mentioned it on a pop culture roundup um, before, but yeah, he, and like, I don't, I'm not saying he's like Harvey Weinstein or Louis C.K. levels of cringe, like gross, predatory, but he has this reputation. I mean, he wrote this show where it's just like penises and vaginas and boobies out all over the place. Just so for much no nudity. Reason. And it's like, and yeah, I have my qualms with like this idea of writers writing scenes that are objectively just sexualized for no other reason except the writer wanted them to be like, you know, the writer has the power. The writer can decide if we're going to watch teenagers be like naked for the majority of the show or not. And he he chose he chose that path for whatever reason. And his actors have had to come out and be like oh yeah funny story um i was supposed to be nude way more but i wasn't comfortable or i felt like it didn't make sense so i was just like no and sam levinson was such a great collaborator he was like of course no worries whatever and he just went with it and it was like so great and it's like that's not a feel-good story to me like do i think he is predatory no do i think he's a bro who's just like let's get him shirtless like why not yeah i think that's his original that's like his natural go-to clearly because it's written in the script that way and so it's like oh well that's not really relevant he's like oh okay (laughs) yeah i mean there's also a lot of male nudity so it's not like it's just like a weird gross like male lens thing but yeah it, it is it is so much and it's weird that four different actresses have all come out and basically yeah. had the same storyline of like oh well he tried to like this is what the scene was and then i was like no and then he was like oh okay also there was stories from the set that you know the shooting days were very very long and he'd be changing the script on the fly which is probably why he wanted to be the sole writer on it because you can <laughs> yeah. do that then also there's a rumor going around that he got into a fight with Barbie Ferreira, who plays Cat, and then cut a bunch of her scenes, which is why she's basically non-existent in the back half of this season. Uh, so lots of just kind of looming questions <laughs> of like, huh. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like the show has so many marvelous moments that I'm like, uh, that it, it's not like a show that I hate that I'm like, oh, this is made by, it's not like West Side Story or something where I'm like, oh, this is bad and it's like mostly bad. I'm like, right. this is bad, but somehow or another, I'm still very intrigued and I do really enjoy this even though I know it's like got issues <laughs> and I'm sort of like waiting for the wheels to fall off. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I can sense, I can sense the wheels falling off and it's just dragging the car well, along and laughing at it as it like, goes. <laughs> maybe, but I'm waiting for the point where I'm like, this is a terrible TV show and I like, I'm not going to watch it anymore. Yeah. But after like, even though I did not love this 
finale, I was still like very entertained by it and was like, oh, wait, I have to wait two more years for a third season? Like, no, I want this now. Like, I love this show. So, yeah, it's interesting to me. It is because uh, not like it's just like, yes, when I heard this show like happening and like the uh, the twitter sphere being like nudity and stuff it was like oh so this is just like an informature gossip girl like this is just a soap that has a lot of sex in it and what it is was a little more surprising to me because it does feel more like it is a soap because these stories are so unrealistic and dramatic but it's played for laughs in a way i didn't expect like it is very campy um which I think is intentional. Like I like this doesn't I feel like it is. Yeah, it's not like so bad it's good. Like it seems like he knows what he's trying to do with these characters. I mean, that that's a generous statement. What I mean is he knows the vibe he's going for, the energy he's trying to bring to the yeah. stage. Does he know what he wants his characters to do? No, it changes on the fly. Um, it doesn't make sense. These characters are not strongly written, but they are strongly performed. Well, it is, yeah, the performances, I think, are great across the board. The, it's weird because, yes, in one hand, it's campy and soapy, which I really like. (laughs) Then there's this bent that's, like, very artistic in, like, the way things are shot, you know, like, are trying to be. Like, it seems very pretentious, some of the things that he does. And then there's also these random storylines that are, like, very serious and very depressing. Um, Like, the Rue storyline is never funny or like like that's not campy at all really i think but then well, you have a, I, I mean, mean she is like allowed to have like even in her breakdown episode it starts out very strong it's very sad very serious but then she's like fighting with a dog stealing jewels and like barfing in front of cops like it is like yes she's making like looks at the camera like there is yeah. a, there is a campiness even to her downfall yes but i think it's overshadowed by the tragedy that's at play yeah it's just, or like in the finale, the whole scene, the whole sequence with like Fez and Ashtray, it's like, that's very like stressful and not funny, but then it's being played like intercut with like Mass- Maddie and Cassie like wrestling on stage. You know, <laughs> yes, there's a lot of like different things happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Like, I think you and I, you know, taste diverged in the wood and we chose different paths. Um, Because I was thinking, like, you know, you have love for characters here who are completely unlikable, right? Like, they are are written to be problematic people. Um, And there's still, like, grace that you allow them. You know, there's still like a space. In yes, in the that. in the Euphoria versus Yellow Jackets conversation, <laughs> the I think the thing I think the thing with Yellow Jackets is that I found a lot of it, like the characters that I like here who are bad people are like funnier, I guess, or like yeah. more campy. Where I feel like a lot of Yellow Jackets was uh, was more like straightforward and serious, right? Yeah, and so I like. Yeah them less and they weren't like funny unlikable i just found them like sort of like annoying unlikable yeah (laughs) Yeah, you know it's like 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 nate i don't like nate is not somebody who i like at all and i feel like he is someone who would be more 
likely to fit in a Yellow Jackets world <laughs> than like Maddie or Cassie would. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I think it's just uh, no, and I don't mean to like derail us into Yellow Jackets, uh, uh, you know, support. It's more that I was I was finding it interesting to think of you and I as viewers, and like for me, I think Yellow Jackets or things like it are more compelling because of the realism. Whereas for you, you you seek out the campiness and the sort of like yeah over the top because like watching this i'm like this is not real like and that's part of the built-in reaction to it it's like twitter's always like oh where was i during the euphoria of my high school you know it's like yeah there's nothing realistic about these characters or what they're going through like sure addiction yes but like well there's the a drug whole- addict like run i mean the drug dealer fez dealing outside of a pharmacy like it's just like is the, over the top the things well, the these whole, people get away the with. The fact that they have a whole like arc this season that's all about one of the characters writing a play that yes. is being performed <laughs> at her high school that's about people is like basically High School Musical 3. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like High School Musical 3, but like kind of serious and like yeah. less musical. Yes. So it made no sense. <laughs> no, no. And anybody in that audience would have been like, what the hell is happening? Like, what? <laughs> what am I watching? And then randomly there was that like gym sequence in the middle yeah. that like made no sense with the rest of the, sh- the sh- like, yeah, there's so many like nonsensical pieces. I feel like I don't love Euphoria for like the, the story. I love Euphoria for like the moments. Yeah. In it. Like, the episode with the hot tub sequence, it's like that episode I was watching and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so like, this is so like boring and what's happening and I'm just like not into this. And then we got to that hot tub sequence and I was like, this is, this is like the level of like outlandish, just like bizarre things that I love. And also I really like the dialogue that, that he gives the characters sometimes. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like Maddie and Cassie, especially and Kat have like funny, lines that i really enjoy um yeah it's that's i think ultimately what breaks it down for me is that it feels like i'm watching three different shows at any given time and i get like whiplash from the emotional cues i'm supposed to be taking um where it is like uh you know a meet cue with fez and um lexi and it's like oh cute but then at the same time he's like Dr- dealing drugs and dealing with like murder and stuff and it's like this isn't the vibe I would want for my teenage daughter you know and then on top of that you have Zendaya who's like literally crashing and might be might be trafficked I don't know it's it's a tough it's a tough pill for me to swallow and in a lot of ways it's the same with something like um that Gina Rodriguez uh, uh Jane the Virgin Jane the Virgin like I can't it's hard for my brain to accept like illogical or like Riverdale. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. And I just I just don't enjoy it because it it's almost nonsensical the choices these characters make. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can like very easily admit that I think <laughs> Yellow Jackets is a better television show than Euphoria is, but I just enjoy Euphoria yeah, yeah. so much more. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, the well, let's go through like the different character storylines. Yes, because basically, as someone who had no uh, no awareness of the first season, well, I did have some awareness, but I didn't watch it. Uh, basically, you have Zendaya who is dealing with her secret, well, not secret addiction, but she's relapsed, and at the same time, she's dating Jules, which I think was built up in season one. Yeah, so. The whole plot line of season one, or like the main plot line, is that 
Rue gets out of rehab and she goes to a party where she meets Jules, who's sort of like the new girl in town. Jules is trans and they like immediately sort of like hit it off and become friends. But Rue, there's also like a sexual component to it. And Rue like clearly is in love with Jules. And so you're sort of like rooting this whole season that they get together. And then at a certain point they kind of do, but you're never sure if it's, a friendship or a romance. Um, and Jules sort of says like, I can't be friends with you if, if you're going to be on drugs because like, I can't go through that. And so Rue gets clean sort of in order to be with Jules. Um, but then at the end of the first season, there's this weird moment that I still like, I'm not quite sure of how to make sense where Rue is like at their prom. It's like, we should like leave town, go someplace else, start somewhere new. So they go to the train station and then Jules gets on the train and Rue's like, actually, no, I can't. And Ju- Jules just like leaves Rue and you know takes the train to wherever, which like, obviously like, where is she going? Obviously yeah, she's okay, coming back. Weird. But in that moment, Rue relapses and does drugs while Jules is gone. And so you come into the second season with Rue like doing drugs and sort of trying to hide it from Jules. But the thing that was frustrating with the second season is that Jules gets very, very little airtime. Yes. And the fact that their relationship was like the central component of the first season, it's weird that then Jules is sort of like written off. There's a new character named Elliot who shows up (laughs) and they kind of have a weird like... Uh, love triangle thing but it's confusing and he's not really a built out character at all and he sort of just like pops up randomly for you know who knows what reason um yeah well he's a musician right in real life yes which is why they gave him like a five minute long (laughs) song in the finale just to eat up time so while like i think the rue storyline stays strong in like her dealing with her addiction and all of that Jules like gets basically nothing in the second season and I feel like the rest of that arc is just like is like whatever yeah yeah no Jules is uh basically relegated to I mean not even manic pixie dream girl she's just kind of there as sort of the moral linchpin and ruse unraveling um and yeah it was sort of like a you know, I'd seen the Zendaya performance really talked up and she does a great job, uh, especially in her episode five, you know, the the Emmy. <laughs> yes, the Rue episode. For your consideration, yeah. I I can see why it's like a compelling story. And it's one we've seen played out, right? Like the the sad teen addict story is like really hard to watch. It's really sad. It's sad because you empathize with them. It's sad because you can tell there's like very little hope and the family involvement is like really sad. Like everything happening there is just like really sad. And so it was hard to like enjoy watching this because it feels like a TV show that will never let her be happy because the central component is like her misery. Well, in the first season, it sort of felt like, okay, well, her other plot is this romance. Yeah. So there was a lot of time spent on the romance that wasn't spent on her like mm. addiction. But in this season, because she doesn't have a B plot, it's like all she, the her only plot line is drugs. Yeah. So that's all she's really handling. Like even in scenes where she's in with the group, there's not like, that's still the focus of those scenes. Um, Yeah. And also Jules in the first season has this whole plot line where, 
you know, she's into like anonymous sex and she's has this like texting relationship with Nate, but she doesn't realize it's Nate and that like Nate might be secretly gay. Like his dad, like there's, I feel like a lot of complexity in Jules' storyline in the first season or at least a lot going on. And in this season, there is nothing because Jules is a really good actress. And also they did these Christmas specials that were one hour standalone episodes. One was Jules and one was Rue and Jules is, is very good. So I'm like, I don't understand why they got rid of her because it doesn't appear that she had some kind of fight with Sam Levinson like Barbie Ferreira (laughs) did. So I'm like, why is she not in this season? I don't know. Well, she's relegated to the partner role, which I think, you know, I haven't seen a lot of Sam Levinson's work, but it seems like something where he's like, oh, well, they're together. So it's just like, well, you know, like over. I just, yeah, it felt like a sort of like, uh, oh, they have a partner, isn't it sad to see what they lose to? And it's like, okay, but there's nothing happening here. And even, like, she disappears for the second half of the season almost. Like, once Rue has her breakdown and, and you know, abandons her in a, a furious rage, like, it seems like we don't see her again until the finale. And the Rue storyline, I did have a couple of questions. Okay, um, yes. Okay, so she says... There's this moment where she's like, wouldn't it be great if you could do drugs for free? And so she pitches this idea that didn't get past Fez, the drug dealer friend, but Elliot does say is genius. And then she goes to the creepy other like drug queen, Lori or whatever, and is like, I have an idea that I'm going to get my super sophisticated friends to sell drugs for you and they'll do it because I'm going to upload their info to the cloud. And so she gets 10 grand worth of drugs. So is Rue's plan that she's just going to do those drugs herself? Or was she really going to create a an empire? I mean, I think she must have been <clears throat> trying to do something because she's smart enough, I think, to know that like, she's in a lot of trouble if she has, what, $10,000 yeah. worth of drugs and can't get it back. Um but I don't know. I was I was also sort of unclear on the business mechanisms <laughs> yeah. of what she was planning. Because she never the drugs... spoke to anyone about it. No. Well, and then the drugs almost immediately get flushed down the toilet yeah. by her mom. So then it's sort of, it doesn't matter what the plan is. It's just like, oh, well, now she owes $10,000 to this woman. But that's a whole plot line that is just left hanging yeah. because she goes to see the woman. It's insinuated that she might put Rue into some kind of human trafficking thing. Right. Rue like climbs out the window of the apartment, runs away. And then we never see that woman again. So we don't know, like, is she angry? Is she looking for Rue? Is she going to try to get the money back? Is she just letting Rue go? Does Rue have to pay her? Like, we don't know. Cause those are plot lines that were not addressed. So do you think Lori is a good actress? I think she's written wooden. Like, she's a very, like, flat character who's like, I never get angry. And it's meant to be creepy. But I was like, is this working or is it not? I couldn't tell. (laughs) Well, she was was also in Marriage Story as the, um, like, social worker who comes to the house when Adam Driver punches the wall. And I do think that she plays a similar character in that. So I think that's her acting style is to sort of, like, be that weird, awkward person. (laughs) And it's supposed to be funny because, like, that person wouldn't normally be a drug dealer. And yet here she is. She's like, right. not what you would typically think. So I don't think that she's a bad actress. I think yeah. it's just sort of a weird choice for whatever reason. Yeah, definitely weird vibes. I mean, the 
the heavy hitter episode, really sad, pretty creepy when she ends up there, like so desperate that she goes to the person who has threatened to traffic her and who basically manipulates her into intravenous uh, uh, morphine. And uh, like, that's all like really scary and dark and sad. And then you just get other storylines where it's like, why is this being played? Yeah, we're, we're never, we are never brought back to that storyline either. Because that's in episode five. And then yeah. Rue isn't really in the the last three episodes all that much. Yeah, she's kind of able to like, she ends up, I guess that's meant to be her rock bottom. And she like realizes like, oh, okay, I've got to, you know, I don't want to be trafficked. So I got to get out of here. And she gets clean on her own. But and then goes she says, a series of forgiveness. Yeah, but then she says in the finale, like, oh, I was clean till the end of the school year. Um, yeah. And it's what, spring sometime in the season. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, that's that doesn't last long. Like, what, uh, presumably in season three, we'll get whatever that means. But yeah. yeah. I also want, like, I'm fine with not everything being resolved and them saving things for next season, but I feel like that they needed some kind of like acknowledgement of something. Like even if when Rue's coming out at the end, if like the, if Lori is like sitting in a car or we get a scene or like something that's like, okay, we, we acknowledge that this plot line is like still lurking here. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it felt like, it felt like a weird, heavy episode that was just suddenly like nothing came of it like it was just like it was this bombshell in the middle but then it was like everything after it was like oh look at this funny play isn't that funny well you could tell that sam levinson was like okay i want to do like a run lola (laughs) run kind of episode where we're just like following rue and it's just her and she like shows up at all these places and it's all this weird stuff that (laughs) happens to her like all in the span of a day you can see him sitting there and being like wow this is a genius (laughs) idea and rue does like get Zendaya gets all of these great acting moments. Um, well, Zendaya said something funny where she's like, because on TikTok and on Twitter, there's all these like wild theories about like super soapy storylines. Like, oh, this character is secretly related to this character. Or, I bet oh, like, yeah. it'll come mm-hmm. out that this will happen and this will happen. And Zendaya was like, yeah, there's two versions of Euphoria. There's the TikTok version and then there's the real deep, heavy stuff. Like, if you watch the show, you'll see, like, the real relationships, the real depth. And I just think that's a disingenuous way to present the show because Sam Levinson is the one who's, like, negotiating in wild, crazy, fat, like, weird, illogical moments. And the show itself is not just a dark, you know, thoughtful uh, conversation about addiction. Like, it's a messy show. And so, like, oh, is there a, is there a deeper storyline to like the other things that are happening? Like, sure, Nate's being abused, but it's like he's an abuser, and like Cassie is making a really bad choice. So I'm not like sympathizing with her for sleeping with her boy, her best friend's ex. Like, I don't know. It just feels weird to try and pretend this is an art show when only like 25 percent of it is highbrow. Yeah, I do think that the first season is maybe a little bit more highbrow than the yeah. second season. Um, and obviously, like, the TikTokification of, of any <laughs> show. Like, this show yeah, is made messy. perfect for that. But, yes, it it does read a little bit of, like, an Anne Hathaway coming out after a movie and being like, no, this was actually a serious <laughs> art piece. And it's like, well, like, you might have intended it to be that way. But if that's not how it's landing, then that's not how yeah. it's landing. Because then um, the, the secondary storyline is this sort of like 
other friend group, like the Cassie and Maddie and Nate and sort of Kat, who's not really there and I don't have any thoughts on. Um, and they're like friends. But Cassie in the first episode of this season is freaking so wild. And I know you enjoyed that, but I was just like, what is happening with these people? Like, first of all, heaven forbid I ever find Penny leaving the house wearing any of these clothes, doing this sort of thing on New Year's Eve. Like, what is this party? It's so terrifying to me. Oh, yeah. No. It's horrifying. Uh, the the Cassie Maddie plotline is definitely like the funny one of the season or so depressing yeah like the more like humorous one yeah um it's it's interesting because it's like oh it's cassie's like cassie i don't understand her as a character i really don't and i don't know if that was like if this is an about face from who she was in the first season or what but it's like how she is here is like really upsetting that she she would immediately hook up with Nate because he drives fast or something. And she gets aroused because she's like, Oh, I spilled, I spilled beer on my panties. I got to take them off in this car while we're going 90 miles per hour. So to give you like the first season context on all of these people. So Maddie, Cassie, and Kat are all like friends. Yes. Um, and in the first season, Cassie has a boyfriend, um, McKay, who I think is in the first episode of this, but he's yeah, away in college. Some, yeah, I read some yeah. summary articles. Yeah. And so the main gist of like Cassie, as it's explained in her like background episode in the first season, is that she is just one of those people who's like desperate to be in a relationship at all times. She, like Cassie just like loves being in love and having somebody be in love with her. Yeah. And so so she's like incapable of not being in a relationship. So at the end of the first season, I, I think she breaks up with McKay or maybe yeah. he breaks up with her. And so she goes to prom or they go to prom and her and Lexi are sort of just sitting there and, and it's like, okay, well, you know, like finally, like the first time I've been single in a long time. So it doesn't like totally not make sense that she wouldn't get with Nate because her character is like oh she always has to be in a relationship but also she's best friends with Maddie there's no way that she's actually getting together with Nate like that was definitely a a piece of bad writing that they just like wanted to shoehorn in for drama and Cassie was a much smaller character in the first season Maddie was the bigger character because she had this whole plot line with because she was like on again off again with Nate and he like choked her and then at the school like she was saying no but then the police got brought in and then he blended on somebody like that was a whole plot line and then Kat had a whole plot line in the first season that was all about that was like she was a virgin and then she had sex and her and like a sex tape got released online but she realized that all of these people were like oh my gosh she's like so hot and so then she became uh, like a cam girl mm-hmm. um and sort of like a dominatrixy kind of person yeah and it's interesting that like maddie and cat basically in this season got relegated to a supporting cassie role <laughs> where that was sort of her role in the first season mm-hmm. was like being supportive of them i love cassie and her shenanigans and her like breakdowns i think that they're so entertaining even if they are like really sad the dialogue is just so funny i think and there's so many great lines from cassie and maddie this season um yeah so yeah so i really like those yeah i mean those are the most of the memes is cassie yeah i feel like 
Sydney Sweeney's also just such a good actress. Mm-hmm. And between this and White Lotus back to back, where she just had such good writing that she got to say or like good lines. I'm like, this girl's doing well. Like, give her an Emmy for one of these. Yeah, I just, I, it comes back to sort of the, uh, I just don't like Sam's handle on it. Yeah, the Sam Levinson. <laughs> I don't like the, the constant nudity, the obsession with her body. Like, my first introduction to her character was someone, I won't name names because I think it's shameful, <laughs> but they're like, OMG, do you think her boobs are real? And it's like the first thing you Google when you when you Google her name, uh, the first like Google uh, suggestion is boobs. And it's like it just feels sad that someone so talented is just like the conversation comes down to her boobs. And obviously she has boobs and I'm not arguing that. And like she doesn't have to cover them up for the sake of the internet. But I also just feel like it's weird how objectified she is in this film. Like, yes, there's a lot of nudity. There's a lot of penises. But there is a way that the camera lingers on Cassie and her boobs that is very specific to Cassie. She's she's always like in tight things, like bouncing sort of down the hallway. It's also a little bit of like a life imitates art situation because her whole plot line in the first season is like, she is the girl who um, like everybody in school thinks is like a whore and she's like slept with people and has sex tapes and blah, 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 blah. Mm. And so the, and so McKay is sort of like, I will, I don't know if I want to be a boyfriend of yours because you're like sort of damaged goods. So it's then yeah. weird to see that whole plot line basically like happen in real life too, where everyone is just overly sexualizing her. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, she's, She's entertaining. Um, so then Zendaya outs her as sleeping with Nate. Yes. Um, and so then her friendship with Maddie sort of falls apart. And it kind of like, and it all comes to a head with this play, which her sister writes, which <laughs> her sister confuses me too. Um, Lexi was almost, in, Lexi supposedly is Rue's best friend from before, yes. but Lexi was barely in the first season at oh, all. Okay. And really, in this season, her and Fez, I feel like, got real bumped up in the airtime. Yeah. Because they, neither of them had big roles in the first season. And then in this season, they sort of become an unlikely, like, friendship pair or maybe, like, <laughs> romantic interest. And she did, and Lexi decides to write this play, so there's so much attention <laughs> spent on that. Yeah, and the play it's is odd. trash. The play is absolute trash, except for a homoerotic dance sequence making fun yes. of the football team. Which, so Nate is closeted, or he has some sort of like latent. Because that's the other thing that happened is you got this long intro storyline to this character who I was like, who is this guy? And it turns out to be Nate's dad, Cal, and sort of his. Oh, yes. His like, it's like a long story about how he was sort of in love with his best friend, but then he couldn't act on it because they were both dudes and he had a girlfriend who they had lots of sex to for no reason. Like, it's like, Sam, just say it. Don't show it. Like, just, it's okay to not be gratuitous at every moment. But boobies were out. Penises were out. It's fine. And then he almost gets a happy ending with his, with his boy space friend. But then he got his girlfriend pregnant and that's why he ends up miserable and sad and abusive and, uh, filming himself having sex with uh, 
I don't know, I guess, like hookers. I, I, that was the first well, season storyline, correct? Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole, because he, she, he sleeps with jewels in right. the first season. Ugh. And Nate does too? N- no. Oh. Um, so there's a whole plot line where, um, Cat, like Cal, I think is into like is gay, but is into men who are either like very feminine or transgender, mm. um, or or I guess um, transgender women who have penises still. Mm-hmm. And so he hooks up with Jules. They like meet online or whatever, um, and it's sort of like the cliffhanger of the premiere, or the you realize that she's hooking up with this guy, right. and then it's only the last moment of the episode where you realize that it's Nate's dad. Um, but, but it's, yeah, but, but Cal is hooking up with lots of underage people, obviously Jules included. Nate then like connects with her somehow or another online and sort of is like catfishing her and they have all of these conversations. But then when they finally meet up, she's like, you're a terrible person. Like, I hate you. No, I'm not seeing you. Um, but it's like, okay, he, was into her because she also had a penis. And then at one point, Maddie finds his phone and it has a bunch of pictures of penises on it. Mm. So it's sort of insinuated that both Cal and Nate are uh, gay, bisexual, somehow or another into sort of um, effeminate men, transgender women sort of vibe. Yes. So I'm all for like representation, but I really resent this trope of like, Oh, I'm closeted, ergo I'm evil and like oh, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. I'm abusive because I can't be honest with myself or like I am homophobic because I'm scared of my own feelings. Like and that's the whole vibe I'm getting with Cal except at the end where he's finally like owning it and I'm like do you deserve a redemption cycle like you and Nate do you guys deserve like the but level of attention they're getting in this season? I feel like Cal doesn't get a redemption yeah. arc. Because I think he's just terrible and then he gets arrested at the end. And I'm sort of happy that he's going to be off the show now because I think that he's taking up time that we can give to actual characters that we care about. Yeah. Nate is obviously horrible. And he's so much worse even in the first season than he is in the second season just because he has more airtime. I don't know if they're going to be able to redeem him at all. But at least he does have sort of a like, well, he's still a minor like yeah. trying to figure things out <laughs> plotline, but I don't know. Yeah, he's terrible. Choking. Yeah, I mean the the way it felt is like you know he has his gun. He's angry after that uh, homoerotic performance. Yeah, he goes storming off to his dad, and you think, wow, how is this going to end? And then he's like, I just turned you in because you don't deserve to be happy, type thing, which does feel more cathartic than even what Cassie gets which is just like a dumping and a punch in the face by her best friend and sitting right. in the bathroom saying oh this has just started and it's just like I don't I don't like the energy of like Nate at all I don't no, want him Nate on is my terrible. screen <laughs> no he is the like truly straight from hell so and I also <laughs> resent him for being in the kissing booth and so I just don't like his energy um yeah I don't so I would I like to bid him farewell. It'll be interesting what they attempt to do with him. Also, like not to um, not to trivialize people's coming out experiences, but I'm like this is supposedly set in modern day. Right. Like it does not appear to me that anybody in this group of people is particularly like homophobic. Yeah. Um. 
to have like this amount of like aggression sort of and like self-loathing I feel like is interesting given that it does not appear that the community is like necessarily putting that on him yeah what was another show I was just watching where there was someone who didn't want to come out was it the uh power of the dog no 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 it was like a current like a present day setting and I was like mm -hmm. what's the deal (laughs) but anyways yeah so I don't care for him I would love to have him disappear like this Sam Levinson disappears half of his cast it sounds like um but the other storyline obviously is the Fez and Ashtray which opens the season or no it's the second no no it's the first no it's the first episode yes um his backstory which again I I feel bad for the systems in place that mean, you know, child abuse is rampant and complicated. Um, Lots of sympathy for anyone who's left as collateral for a drug deal. And um, I don't know. It was just hard for me. Like, I really like Fez. I know his act. He was meant to be killed off in the first season, but everyone loved him enough that they kept him around. Right. That's the that's the mythos around Mm -hmm. him. And I can understand that. But this storyline for me, for whatever reason, was like really uninteresting to me, except for the like tension of like him and Lexi, because that's cute. And I like wish he could be a man who would heal and be able to have a normal life and a girlfriend in high school, whatever. But I was confused by a lot of things happening here. But basically, Ashtray got a little too bloodthirsty, killed someone he wasn't supposed to. And then that made one of their drug dealing partners turn against them and go to the feds and start trying to get them for that murder. Yeah, I was sort of confused by all by all of the drug dealing plot yeah. lines in the first season and the second season. Like just sort of the mechanisms. I feel like it's never fully set up like who's giving what money to who like who yeah, the different the players are. And doesn't know how drug dealing works. Yeah. It's possible. But so, yes, I didn't. Yeah, I the Fez and Lexi plotline I did find more interesting. But the rest of the stuff with Fez, I was not as sold on. And, and then what also was random, Ashtray trying to accomplish by getting in a shootout with the cop? Like, I was confused by the I whole don't finale know. with their storyline because I was like, what is happening? If they know he's wired, why don't they just tell him to leave or leave themselves? Like, I don't understand and they'd also, I surmise that they had been raided before. So he doesn't yes. keep drugs on the premise anymore. So it's like, no, go on with your days. Like what is happening here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that they were just trying to basically be like, Ashtray is so yeah. traumatized that he like is, doesn't know how to handle himself in these situations. And his go-to is just violence. Yeah. Um, Cause he's the one who kills the, mouse in the first season or maybe or is that the beginning of this season um and in the drug deal and then yeah, yeah. No, obviously he's the it's like he doesn't have a level of cool that fez necessarily has yeah um so yeah, yeah. apologies to that kid but also i just yeah i wanted to care but like you point out it's a weird finale it felt really really disconnected because it was sort of meta things were scenes but then they turned out to be scenes in the play too there were flashbacks and it was very confusing and so having this like oh this is real life tension happening right now it just like didn't work especially sustained over two episodes so I was just kind of like what 
I'm like, why is this taking so long? Like, what is happening here? It was confusing that they kept intercutting. Well, you, so you had the play with the actor, like the fake actors on stage. Yeah. But then that was mirroring memories. So we were also getting flashbacks with the real actors. Yeah. And then, or characters. And then we also had scenes that were completely separate from the from the <laughs> yeah. movie. So watching those three groups, like, come in and out of each other, I found very confusing. Like, is this real? Is this not real? Like, is this uh, on the stage version? Is this a flashback? Yeah. And then also it was never really explained whether the stuff that was on the stage was 100% like reality or whether Lexi was like changing some of it because of her <laughs> memory. I feel like they should have just put all of the stage stuff in episode seven, had episode seven end with the big like Cassie Maddie blowout and then saved all of the kind of like the fez um rue stuff for the finale because then it would have been less um like discombobulated because as it was you sort of had the maddie stuff intercut or the cassie stuff intercut with the fez stuff at the beginning then cassie ends and you sort of have the fez things intercut with like some rue moments Mm -hmm. and like the cal thing then the fez stuff ends and you get to these sequences that are basically just like lexi and rue yeah um which feel weird to watch (laughs) after you just saw the fez stuff because that feels like it should have been the biggest moment of the episode right and then how did lexi tell the future i was so confused yeah, she wrote I don't the, know. She wrote the conversation she wanted to have with her. Yes, and I Rue guess. was like, "Wow, you nailed that." <laughs> and and so did the audience members who were yeah. like, "We don't get any of this." Yeah, I do think um, a couple articles pointed out something interesting, which is that when this play is going wrong, the the I don't know stagehand Bobby is like, "Um, it's it's going okay. Like it's it could be worse." And Lexi's like, "How?" And she's like, "It." It could be boring. And I think that right there is the central idea of Sam Levinson's brain where he's like, I could work harder on this, but like, I'll just slap it together because at least it's not boring. Like, I'll just do whatever I want because at least it's not boring. And people are talking about it, even if it doesn't make sense, even if I drop this plotline and never revisit it, like at least no one can ever say my show is boring. And I think that's like his, (laughs) that's his, his his stance, his his flag that he'll forever wave is like, you can say I'm bad at this, but at least I didn't bore you. Well, I do wonder about sort of the TikTokification of television because I feel like both White Lotus and this, even though they're very different shows, really got a lot of runway off of these sort of viral, like individual moments. Mm. So even if, I mean, White Lotus, I think is a much better television show than euphoria is but um and so surrounded those much better but i think both of them got a lot of traction out of like these very specific like characters or dialogue scenes or sort of like big splashy instances and i wonder if we're going to start seeing sort of more of that in television Mm. of people like trying to write for the tiktok sound rather than for like a full tv show yeah well that's kind of how it just like it didn't feel like there wasn't like enough meat to it right like it was just like cotton candy for me it wasn't like worth digging in on the hard parts to enjoy the like moments of levity here like it just like wasn't entertaining to me in the same way it seems to be for for most of its audience 
And I'm like fine with that, right? Because there's shows for everyone and I'm not trying to say, I don't, I'm not trying to piss on your parade is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like Succession is another one of those, is yeah. another show in this like uh, genre. Yeah. But it does feel like if we're going to trust one man to bring a slew of stories to life, then he should do a better job of like giving them reason instead of just like you said, sort of these splashy one-liners and moments that can trend on Twitter and like make a good TikTok moment because it is sort of like oh okay well is next season gonna be completely different like from the characters we got this season because it's like you know at this point you've introduced everyone right like all the side players have gotten a little bit more front time so you you owe your audience like the respect to recognize that they know these characters now so you can't just like change how they behave suddenly because it makes a better plot point like I just I think that's what people found frustrating about Kat, who, to your point, had a larger storyline in season one. So her sudden about face in season two was much more noticeable than, say, someone like Cassie or Lexi, who you didn't have the same sort of understanding of. And so now that we have an understanding of everyone, if he continues to try and pull strings just for the sake of writing whatever he wants, whatever he wants, and it's just going to be like, okay, well, I think we don't believe. I you think anymore. they're going to force him to get a writer's room for this <laughs> for the third so. season because. I think the first season was was a critical success as well as a um as well as doing well with the numbers. Obviously the second season has done better in the numbers, but I think there's been a lot of sort of complaints about the writing and stuff not being great and a lot of loose ends and also then you have all of these stories coming out about how Sam Levinson's maybe not great and yeah. you know not great with women and yeah. disorganized. And so I can see them sort of being like, look, we need to have like some women writers and some people of color yeah. and some LGBT people on this writing panel yeah. because otherwise like in a third season, I think people would be more out for blood in that regard. <laughs> yeah. I think in the second season, by the time things sort of got up and running and these stories started coming out about Sam Levinson, it was sort of like already, everybody was already invested into, into it and there wasn't anything left to be done. But I think for the third season, people will be much more focused on that from the jump. And if they don't get ahead of it, it's going to not end well. Yeah. Well, I won't be watching. <laughs> That's what you said. But now. if you think I'm the villain, then I'm the villain. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad we could do this. You know, I'll probably end up enjoying this maybe more than the three-hour movie we'll be doing next week. Wait, what are we doing next week? Batman. Oh, yes, <laughs> Batman. Mm -hmm. We'll see if that can capture my attention um, for that long of an extended period. But uh, yeah, Euphoria. I'm sorry. You know, I'm glad it was an experience for you. Uh, through your rankings of the episodes, it seems like pretty mixed on whether or not you thought this was the better season. I think the first season is a better season. Yeah. I think the second season has some very fun episodes in it, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish well to all who embark on it. It's a wild ride for sure. Yes. Um, yeah. And we'll be back next week to talk about Batman. The Oscars are getting ever closer as is our year end yes. um, ranking roundup, which we're watching things for. So lots of exciting stuff on the horizon. Um, yeah. And then we'll get into summer and the blockbusters and <laughs> all of that fun thing. So hopefully we won't have any too many more like dead zone episodes. But yeah, we'll see. You never know. Okay, see you guys next week. Bye.